Hello, and welcome back, all of you apocalyptic campers, to the fifth annual collection of 31 amazing horror movies in October we lovingly call the Halloween Screamathon. I am your host, Otis, and tonight I am joined by my lovely, lovely wife, Katie. Hi. I was going to say Otis again. Oh, what a good name. <laughs> yeah, my name's Otis, and I'm married to Otis. <laughs> Hi, my name is also Otis, apparently. Ooh, that's weird. <laughs> Gross. And tonight, we are reviewing the 2023 American Apocalyptic Psychological Horror Film, based off the 2018 horror novel written by Paul Tremblay, A Knock at the Cabin. Fuck, it's just called Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that all in. <laughs> that was a lot. I oh, know. Save your family or save humanity. Make the choice. Life or death. I added that last part. How dare you. <laughs> how dare you. Yeah. <laughs> Hit that music. Happy Spookies, everyone! This is episode five of the fifth annual Halloween Screamathon, and what episode three hundred and six? Well, this is five, so this would be three hundred and five, right? Well, no, we ended at three hundred one. Oh, then yes. Yeah, three hundred six. Yeah, six. But we'll just say episode five. I don't feel like counting that high. We've done so many movies, with, you know, it's hard to count. We'll have that an high. accurate count at the end of the month yeah. when we get into November, <laughs> and then we're like, oh yeah, we're on episode three hundred and thirty something. Yeah, we'll get there. So if you know me, I love wrestling and I love scary movies. So when I can, I always try to shoehorn in movies with wrestlers in it. And boy howdy, I did not realize that the movie we picked had. A wrestler is like one of the main characters. It, it actually hit me a couple of minutes before we started this recording. But it's because there's another like outlier for this movie. Because it is an M. Night Shyamalan. That's the right way to say it, right? Yeah, Shyamalan. Because I kind of respect him with this movie. I don't. If it was happening, I'd Whatever, be like... Whatever, Shalamanan. Yeah, Shalamanan. But it's M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's his most recent one. Yeah. And this was a... For now. Yeah. <laughs> I think he has another one scheduled to come out at the end of the year. Well, yes. Um, He had a two-movie deal with Universal. And so the first movie he did was Old, which we will review oh, yeah, later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, so this was the second one. And the second it. one. And then now he's making movies for Warner Brothers. So he's got a multi-movie deal with that. So we'll see what, type, what type of twists and turns will come from that. M. Night Shyamalan presents Wonder Woman. <laughs> I mean and the horror apocalypse I'm just worried about the third act if he can do a sweet ass third act then I won't I don't care <laughs> I don't, so I don't need a fucking they were ghosts the whole time like <laughs> they were all movie, Wonder Woman the whole movie time movie of like, Batman what the fuck <laughs> yeah Batman was in the insane asylum the whole time it's actually a comic about of that of course there yeah. is of it, course and that would be the one that he chooses of course oh yeah yeah, it's like what one night in Gotham or no, that fuck you know some shit. He was you know crazy. future artists, you know. So this is based off of a, of a novel. Uh, so M Night Shyamalan, he didn't actually write this one. He did the screenplay and stuff, but this is a horror novel by Paul Tremblay. I listened to this novel, so. I'm going to do what I always do with books. Usually it's with Stephen King books. I do this because I love Stephen King. So it's just an excuse for me to crack out another book really quick. But I'm going to do it with this one because I read it. Now, for the uninitiated, Knock at the Cabin is about a family with a daughter. And they are beset by, I wouldn't say they were cultists. From the beginning, it's just a family at a cabin are held hostage by four strangers. Further into a movie, you learn more about them. And they are telling the family that they have to make a choice to save the world. And there's a lot more to that. 
and the choice is very ridiculous, but that's what's happening in Knock at the Cabin. Uh, we'll get into the story and all that stuff and the book and the differences, but Katie, what did you think about Knock at the Cabin? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, I guess. It was a bit far-fetched and also not far-fetched for me. I don't know. It was really weird because... The concept behind why the strangers are there and all of that was just chaotic. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely would have reacted the way the family does at the beginning. And I would have stayed the course that for the whole time. And then as the movie goes on, it just gets more and more like, well, where's the twist? Where's the Shalamanan twist? And it never comes. And there's not really too much of a twist in this film. Which you're like, you've come to love. We've come to, everyone loves about yeah, in you Night Shyamalan movies. You're expecting the yeah. twist and there wasn't one in this film. It was very like, okay, family's in the cabin. Strangers come to the cabin. Chaos ensues. People leave the cabin. Like, start to finish, that happens and it doesn't get too wild. There are a couple things about this film, which I'll talk about when we get more into the topic or into the movie, that I definitely would have changed because it just kind of ruins it. And there's and there's a couple sections where they give a little bit too much away. Oh, absolutely. Um, like revealing the monster too early, like we've talked about it in a lot of horror films. You guys know that that's a thing I don't like if you're if you've been here for a while, and I feel like they did that at one point in this movie and it was just like well why did you show us that like we didn't need to see that for this movie to, like you ruined it and now it's not fun anymore it's not as fun as it was anymore um but yeah it was all right i probably wouldn't watch this film too many more times i liked it but there were issues with it so i try my best when i read a book based on or watch a movie based on a book or either way I try my best to not hold both of them to such a standard. Uh, I will say I have some issues, like with comic books, like with um, Infinity War. Sure, the story is completely different from what happens in the movie, but the movie still made me feel good, and I freaked out. You know, you know when he finally said Avengers Assemble, it was great. But uh, some there's some people out there that are like. Bleh. Captain America's not even alive when they fight Thanos at that point. You know, it, they can't get past the differences. When I was listening to the story, so I did the book first, and then we watched the movie, there were points where I kind of made a sound while we were watching the movie, and I was like, wow, that's really different. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, he actually went on record saying, I changed the ending because, and I'll get to it, there's reasons why, and I get why he changed it, because some things work in book form, just like some things work in cartoon form or comic book form, but when you make it live action, it just won't translate well, and I get why he changed the things he changed, because boy howdy, I don't think it that movie would have gone over, I really don't think it would have gone over that well, uh, when I... You know, when I read it or heard it, I was like, "Woo, shit, that's crazy. And I was waiting on it in the movie to happen. I'm like, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, shit, they're, they're changing it. They call it an audible. But all in all, it's a pretty solid movie. Uh, just like Katie said, there is no twist. I guess there is a slight, like, oh, there, there's a realization at the end. Yeah, but there's it's not anything like... But it's not to the level of, like... You know, Unbreakable or The Sixth Sense. You know, the big ones that are like, oh, wow, he was a ghost the whole time. That's crazy. Yeah. This movie is completely different now because I know that. The one in the village. Yeah. It's yeah, like, like, holy shit. You know, oh, it's just a... It was planet Earth all along. Yeah, there's just scaring the people <laughs> to keep them in this, like, fucking reserve. In the zoo, yeah. It's modern days. The people zoo. You know, it's yeah. crazy. But, like I said, I liked it. I don't know which one I like better. Usually with Stephen King's stories when I watch the movie, I'm like, oh, this one's better. Easy. I don't know which one I like better. I will say, the novel, I think it went on a little too long. It was nine hours to make it through normal speed, and I felt they probably could have shaved off an hour or two, honestly. 
it, it might have just been the 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 person reading it just kind of taking their time with words but i think some of the chapters and they did a lot of flashbacks to eric and andrew and when and i actually enjoyed that but it just i don't know some things just really didn't matter but maybe it did but it's coming from the angle of you know a gay couple trying to adopt a child and i don't i can't connect to that in any way so maybe i just think didn't think some things were important but maybe they really were to the right people They're like oh yeah I, I feel that like you know someone that's gay that's like oh yeah absolutely i feel that point i i, I there are some things i just like i don't get why that's here but it just drove the point home that they've been making this whole film in that the world isn't accepting of oh absolutely of there's a giant metaphor people like yeah they they spent a lot of time focusing on one of the dads at one like there's a flashback one of the dads at one point was assaulted um, with like a beer bottle in a bar and you know the dude ended up going to jail it was a hate crimes terrible but he gets assaulted basically for being gay and they just drive the point home when they show the adoption scene because they the real point of that adoption scene wasn't to show well there's a couple of points but one of them was to show that the world was not accepting of gay people at the time that they yeah. adopted their daughter because they had to make a point to say, oh, my wife's not here. Her brother is yeah. here. Like, they had to make a point, like, yeah. oh, it's not us. It's not both of us. It's just me and, you know, my brother-in-law over there, except, you know, we're actually together and we're adopting the baby. They had to make a point of that. And then at that same time, that moment is supposed to represent the happiest moment that they've ever felt. Yeah. Because that's like the the time that he keeps going back to when he's trying to be happy. So I brought up earlier that this movie was written and directed, well, written, the screenplay was written by M. Night Shyamalan. But I am going to bring up some of the actors in this movie. Dave Bautista, Bautista. But as a wrestler, his name was Brass Body. He had some crazy names when he was trying out. But, now he's just Batista. Yeah, Batista. I walk alone. He's got the machine gun hands and the fireworks go off. Uh, one of the best. One of the best spine busters in the game. Uh, I love me some Batista. If you don't know who else we're talking about, it's Drax the Destroyer in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, he's been in tons of movies, as usually he is the scary heavy. So the not the full boss, but he's the boss before the boss he's always a gigantic scary person and he's he's the one you got to take out because the boss is usually a little bitch you know so you waste all your energy on the batista and then the small guy's like ha now i have a chance he's done some comedies i know he did a spy movie with a little girl i can't remember if it was just called spy i spy yeah i think some, or my spy yeah something like that so he has he has comedic chops he has legit acting chops uh, he knows how to My do action. Spy. My spy. With the little girl, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he has action down because he, he's an amazing actor when he was a wrestler. Um, there's a small little group. Uh, we got Dwayne Johnson. He was the first one to break free. I guess you could say Hulk Hogan, but fuck him. Um, but Dwayne Johnson was the first one and he's still doing movies. And then John Cena. He is the, the newest one of the group. And he's doing great comic book-wise and in Fast and Furious movies. And now Batista's doing that too. So he's realized he doesn't have to wrestle his whole life and hurt his back. He can still be gigantic and just do movies and be scary in that. Jonathan Groff. Hey, it's King George. So I know he's been in a ton more musicals and stuff. But apparently his, his rising to prominence was from Spring Awakening. He did that in 2006, 2008. So he was in that, and he was nominated for a Tony Award. With Leigh Michelle. Yeah. And then after that, um, I have probably heard his voice in multiple things, but... Absolutely. I know him from Hamilton as the very charismatic villain <laughs> of the first half. Uh, the second half, the villain, is infidelity. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and just jealousy, because people keep kept having fucking duels Being pompous. for no goddamn Pride. reason. Pride. Pride, yeah. Yeah, Pride's the real fucking villain. Um, but he's thing, also yeah. in Glee. He's in many episodes he of Glee. He was in Glee. Glee. Uh, he was a bad guy in Glee. He, he was, looks like a bad guy. 
<laughs> he was also uh, he's Kristoff from Frozen. Holy from the shit! Frozen. I forget that's him. Yeah. He's really? lost in the woods <laughs> in Frozen 2. It's fantastic. Holy shit. I thought, and oh, I'm thinking of reindeer, Tangled. Reindeer that's... are better than people. That's Zachary Levi. Yes. I thought Zachary Levi was Kristoff. Holy shit. No. Good for him. Zachary Levi is Eugene Fitzherbert. <laughs> He's getting that Disney money. Good for him, man. Oh, yeah. And Jonathan, like the Frozen franchise is so huge. Jonathan Groff doesn't have to do a damn thing. Not at all. Ever again. <laughs> I mean, he keep he will keep doing things, but he doesn't have to. Oh, no. Uh, Between that and his Hamilton money and his yeah, fucking Glee money, like, he good. He was in that new Matrix movie. He was like, uh, 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 Mr. Smith, a new version of Mr. Smith. Oh, yeah, he's he, out there he fighting was the bad stuff. guy. Yeah. Uh, he's in a lot of things. Cause people are like, you got a really good face and you can act. And people know you as King George, so we're going to ride that. And we know you can sing, so we're going to give you a singing option. Right, everything he's in, he's like, in okay, every movie. you're going to sing at least one song, but... Yeah, you're an excellent <laughs> singer, so here you go. Right, he's like, like what, that sync song? He's like, man, I'm tired of singing. <laughs> or did he say, tired of dancing? Which no, he like? says, I'm tired of singing, and then he beatboxes. Tired of singing. <laughs> well, kind of beatboxes, and then they dance. Yeah. Uh, ben Aldridge, I don't know this person, but he was in Pennyworth, he was Thomas Wayne, Kind of a shitty person <laughs> from all the versions of Batman's we watch. Uh, Nikki Akuma Bird. She is a English, uh, yeah, Nigerian-born British actress. I have seen her. It wasn't Doctor Who. I've seen her in something English as fuck. Might have been uh, Sherlock. I'm betting. And then Abby Quinn. She was one of the other strangers. And then, holy shit, it's Rupert Grant. For like two minutes. Yeah, Ron Weasley. Fucking Ron Weasley, man. Why wouldn't you have him in for more of the movie? Well, that's how the book goes. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't follow the whole end of the book, so... Yeah, they could have changed the order. He could Absolutely. He didn't have to go first. Absolutely, but... they should have changed that shit. Actually, it would have been better if he stayed, because there would have been a good argument to happen. And he's a bigger name. Yeah. But you could say it was a very stark moment when he leaves. You're like, oh, shit. Anyway, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry. But no, the, this is a solid movie. I would say give it a shot. You can check this movie out on Fuck, Amazon. Is that where we watched it? I think it was Amazon. I don't know. I'm going to say We it's... literally just watched this movie and I'm like I don't remember what we used. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz all these apps, they're all they're just about together. the same and yeah. So you can check this movie out on Prime. I'd say give it a shot. Uh M. Night Shyamalan, he's had his resurgence since The Visit. And he's making some solid-ish movies the better than the happening. Was wild. Yeah, that was. I that liked was it a great. Lot. I liked it a lot. That might be my favorite M Night Shyamalan movie. It was fucking good. Besides Signs, it was very creepy. Yeah, man. Signs is fire. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a that's an instant you know thumbs up. So we'll get through this story. This movie, I want to say it's an hour and a half, a hundred minutes. So it's it moves pretty quick for what it has to do. And uh, sometimes to its detriment, it moves really fucking quick in points. But it's weird. I complained it was too fast, but the book was too slow. I don't know what I want. I'm a very complicated lady. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get through this story real quick. So uh, the movie starts with seven-year-old Wynn. She is vacationing with her fathers, Eric and Andrew, at a cabin in Pennsylvania. Um, they are in New Hampshire in the book. So I don't know how far that is. But everything M. Night Shyamalan is Pennsylvania. That's that's his jam. So all his movies kind of dip around that area. She is approached. You see just a, a figure walking up to her from the woods. Hey, it's Batista. His name is Leonard. And this movie has to move. In the book, it took so long for Leonard to really tell Wynn what he was there for. But in the movie, it was so fast, it bothered me. To the point of, like, that's a fucking stranger talking to a kid. Absolutely. And was really close. And I was like, oh, maybe Absolutely. they were going for that. It was too chaotic. In the book, he stayed back and was talking to Wynn. And was like, what are you doing, Wynn? She's like, catching grasshoppers. She's like, I shouldn't be talking to you. The biggest problem with it was like, oh, I don't, t I shouldn't talk to strangers. Or I'm not allowed, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. But my name is, like, Wynn. And, like, I do all these other things. Yeah. And, like, we're it's BFFs now. In, like, why the fuck did you keep talking, bitch? Yeah. That man is getting so close to you so fast, you need to go into your cabin immediately. Yeah. In the book, they kind of talk about that. 
he was just really friendly and like made her like laugh and stuff and she knew that it wasn't the right thing to do to talk to him but she felt moderately safe around him she said it was a weird feeling but she felt like he wasn't going to hurt her and we'll see what happens later on and down the road so um leonard finally explains that he he needs win and her parents help with the with the issue happening in their life uh, he needs their help to save the world and the family they have to make a very important choice soon and then out of the woods comes three more people and they're carrying in the book they say it's tools but it's weapons weapons welded and strapped together so it's like a shovel with an axe on the end or a pitchfork with a tr like a digging trowel or just like a hammer with a chain on the other end these weapons uh, they're multi-tools and they're they're meant to do damage and when sees these and she's like whoa i need to go inside and Leonard doesn't chase her down when she starts running off. He's like, just tell tell your 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 dads that we're here and we're going to get in. Like they can let us in or we'll get in. But you have to help us make a decision. And he's very calm, which makes it very scary. He's very he's trying his best to be very friendly, but he's a gigantic man. I think they picked the best looking person for this. You gotta be big and scary. And in the book, Leonard's a gigantic man. And they're like, he's just, he's a cuddly bear, but he's got this aura of scary around him. So, Eric and Andrew, in the book, there's a little bit more of the differences between them. Andrew is a little more serious because he has had issues in life, and Eric's the laid-back dad. And so, kind of a good cop, bad cop situation. And so, Wynn is talking to her fathers and telling them that there are some scary people outside, dad's... Um, she calls him Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew, and it's like, oh, you need to leave or lock the doors. And they're like, okay, calm down. And they actually talk to Leonard through the door. They're not opening the door. I'm, I'm happy they didn't crack the door open because he would just would have, you know, freight trained his way through the door. But Leonard's telling him, like, hey, we need to come in. We need to talk. Um, I don't want to talk through the door. Can you just let us in and we can talk to you? And he's like, no fucking way I'm letting you in. Holy shit, that man's carrying a gigantic hammer. I'm not letting you in. That's I'm. You're scaring my family. And Andrew's like, I have a gun. I'll use it. And you hear another voice, a very grumpy, low voice. And I was surprised Rupert Grant was able to make this voice. But he's like, show it. Show us your gun. I want to see it. And he's like, mm, the gun's in the trunk of the car <laughs> outside with them. So yes and no, I have a gun, but it's far away. So these strangers, they split up and they start opening doors around the house one gets into the basement and starts breaking their way in. The dads, they try their best to block the house off. And just like in the book, Eric is fighting off one of the strangers as they get in. And Andrew is karate-sizing the fuck out of one of them. Rupert Grant's getting his ass whooped in this in the movie. He gets his ass whooped in the book. And Eric gets tripped up and falls legit on the back of his head. He falls super hard. And his eyes are just open and his hands are just kind of out. He has a super duper concussion. And so he's down. And this moment slows down Andrew because Eric kind of wants Andrew to leave and like run off. So he stops for his loved one. And everybody gets captured. <laughs> so Leonard and his companions, Sabrina, Adrian, and Redmond, say that they don't want to hurt the family. They don't want to. No, they say they don't want to hurt the family. They will do things to stop them from leaving. They, they make that very clear. You will not leave, but we're not going to kill you. We don't want to hurt you, but you're not leaving until we figure this out. And so they tell the family that in the past weeks, uh, they have had visions telling them to find the family because they have to help them stop the apocalypse from happening. And Leonard says that the oceans will rise, a pandemic will spread, and the sky will fall. And the only way to prevent this is that the family has to sacrifice one of their own. And it can't be a suicide kind of angle. They have to choose. They have to all choose and say, yep, me, Katie, or Bella. We all look at Katie and like, Katie has to die. And Bella pulls out her little pistola, tear in her eyes, like, boop. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I, I picture it's a pop gun. They can't commit suicide. Like, they can't choose and then, like, not kill them. Yeah. It has to be, like, one of the family kills the other. It has to be a willing other. sacrifice. Yeah. And if they don't make the choice, and they don't say this really in the book, but uh, Leonard tells them that if they don't make the choice and the apocalypse happens, their family will stay alive and they will be the last ones to see the world go into ruin and they'll be by themselves and see everything go wrong and i was like dang that's a lot scarier i don't think they said this in the book if it was it was a quick line but no um so instantly um yeah they're not (laughs) they're like what are you talking about you guys are insane we're not doing this and every day as you'll see later everybody looks at a watch and they're, they're checking their hand they're checking their wrists for the time and Leonard tells them, you have to choose right now. Will you choose to sacrifice one of your own? And Eric says, no, we're not doing that. And Andrew's like, no, we're not doing that. And then Redman crouches down in front of the fathers, puts a rag on his head, a white, like, bag. And the rest of the group proceed to pummel him and crush his head and actually cut his head off. In the book, they explain that since, they didn't show his head getting cut off. But Batista comes up and chops it. They don't show the chop. Oh, okay. But that's what he was doing. Like, if if he didn't cut it completely off, he for sure made sure he was dead. But he was super dead. So, in the book, they explain that since the family won't sacrifice one of their own to stop the sac- stop the apocalypse, they sacrifice one of their own, the strangers, and it kind of subsides... The apocalypse it slows it down just enough it gives it, i guess it, it's like a like a mulligan or a uh what's what's the pirate word you say parlay yeah it just kind of pushes it back a day in the movie it seems like this was all just gonna happen either way and they're just killing off it's I don't think there was a line that said that we're kind of slowing it down by killing one of our people no that they're bringing up on the plagues Oh, that's the angle they went? That's stupid. Yeah, every time that they kill someone, like, the longer it takes for them, for the family to make a decision, the strangers will, like, I don't know, a certain amount of time goes by, question mark time goes by, and then they will kill one of their own, and when one of their own dies, that sets one of the apocalypses in motion. Okay. That's, I don't know, I didn't catch that from the movie. Oh, that was, like, the main part of the I don't movie. Know. Well, I, maybe I'm just thinking of the way they said in the book. In the book, they said that, that we're killing our people to slow down what's happening. Um, but it, they're not, though, because, I mean, they might have said that, but that's not actually what's happening. Because every time someone dies, five minutes later on the TV, some wild-ass shit happens. Yes, so... They're, it, the deaths of these four people are causing these crazy plagues. Yeah. So, like, if they didn't die nothing might have happened so like i said here's one of the big differences from the book to the movie it like like we were saying in the book it seemed like we have to sacrifice somebody somebody has to die because of this apocalypse so we'll kill somebody to give you more time to make the choice and it seemed like it the thing that does happen wasn't as bad as it could have been. So, after Redmond dies, the very grumpy gas man, right? He yeah, ch- like, check the meters check and stuff. Check the meters and stuff. After he dies, they see on the news, they turn on the TV, that, oh boy, howdy, there are mega tsunamis happening. So, uh, uh, an earthquake. Big earthquakes happening. Yeah, in the earthquake Pacific. happens, and then that causes a tsunami. Gigantic waves. And so, there is a tsunami in, what, was it Oregon, right? Well, originally there was, so there was one earthquake that happened up in Alaska first, and then that caused a tsunami in Hawaii, and then an 8.1 or 8.6. 8.6, I think. An 8.6 just off the coast of Oregon, which is basically going to devastate the entire West Coast. It's okay, so that's how it works in the book. The they slowed down the Hawaii one because they were like, oh, people had enough time to bunker down or leave, and so there weren't any casualties. They said the Hawaii 
tsunami, everybody's fine. It's just some destruction. But then the Oregon one happens, and it, like, it instantly happened. There was no way for people to have any warning. They like, I think the news person says they have like a minute, a couple of minutes to get to safety. Yeah. And then the tsunami hits. And we see a video. People are on the beach, and they're just standing there. And the wave is really big from a distance. And they're just like, oh, man, look at that wave. And it gets close, and they're like, oh, oh, God, I want to run now. Uh, uh, and they get ate up by a wave. Fun fact, those rocks in the background that the waves get over, Adrian, she is actually, there's a line she said, she's like, holy shit, those rocks, guys. You, you know what those rocks are from? And they're like, like what? It's from the fucking Goonies. Those are the rocks at the end of the movie. Yeah, because they're off the coast of Oregon. They were like, that wave was bigger than the fucking Goonie rock. And they were like, she was freaking out. Like, that's gigantic. And I'm like, yeah, man. It's really fucking big. What, 50, 60 feet, they said? Gigantic wave. It would just eat up everything. So, Eric is concussed. And so, uh, in the book, they kind of say that maybe this is part of the reason that he's a little more open to what they're saying because he's like well i don't got nothing else to do my head hurts but andrew is very much that's not real Uh, you you know this tsunami was probably already happening you guys turned this tv on and hoped that something else would happen with this so you could say like oh look the apocalypse is happening and eric is like man this might be real maybe (laughs) so uh, this is kind of the crux of this movie they ask the question every day they say no or yes, but they're going to say no because they don't believe them. And then bad things happen. So after Redmond dies, Andrew has an epiphany. He, he remembers something. And he says, Redmond, I know that guy. That was the guy that assaulted me at that bar many years ago. And Eric's like, are you sure? He's like, absolutely. I know how he looks. I saw him in the courtroom when we were doing the case in the book it's the same thing happens he thinks that redmond is the guy they don't confirm or deny in the book if it was redmond because his face was so mushed up after they jacked him up after the sacrifice and he doesn't have his wallet on him in the movie he does have his wallet on him so later on we find out if it actually is the person that gave andrew his hate crime so Like I said, they added this because probably they were going for the whole angle of this isn't real. That guy did a hate crime on me. He's here to get revenge and force a gay couple to kill one of them, you know? And so I was like, shit, I sure wouldn't believe anything if that was a guy that did a hate crime on me years ago. At this point, Leonard, Sabrina, and Adrian, they're having some issues. They're like, what if Redman is the guy that did this hate crime, but... You know, just gotta, we gotta stay, stick to the plan. You know, trust the process, which is actually a line from the movie, or actually the book, that is said many a time. Trust the process. So, the next day, the the strangers, they sacrifice Adrian. Because she's next, and she tells him, like, I have a kid, and I'm a, a cook, a line chef, and I want to get home. So please, you know do the make the choice i'm like no we're not making a choice but andrew's like you don't have to kill yourself like let's talk about this and adrian's like nope that doesn't work like that she puts the rag on her head and the group pummels her and chops her up and then on the news a deadly version of the flu virus mm, just sweeps the world and people are getting sick getting fucked up their lungs are getting filled full of fluids and stuff and there's no type of cure in sight so step two of the apocalypse is happening i guess that's pestilence (laughs) yeah yeah so at this point we see andrew has been trying to slowly break free from his rope shackles and eric has gotten help from win win handed him a little knife so he's been chopping on his bonds ropes um this kind of doesn't happen in the book they do break free later but it's it's more of andrew has been slowly getting his hands out of the things but like i said they had to change some stuff so andrew escapes 
and he gets outside and gets to the car because he's trying to get into his gun locker to get the gun. If he can get the pistola, he can stop this whole situation. He doesn't have to sacrifice his family. I don't know if you put a gun in a gun locker. I guess you don't keep it loaded. But I thought the whole thing with the locker is it's safe and I get it out and I'm ready to go. But Andrew had the gun legit in three parts. So he had the gun, the clip, and the bullets. And he had to load the gun and get it ready. I was like, fuck a duck, man. Probably lo- because he has kids. Yeah, he but has the, a kid. Yeah, but with the locker, I thought that would be like the biggest step to get into it is the hardest part for a kid. But You would think. Yeah, you're right. But that doesn't stop... That hasn't stopped many, many kids in the U.S. from getting into their parents' gun lockers. So, you know, it's for kids. The book version, yeah. Yeah. So it does so, slow down. But it doesn't do that in the movie. Yeah. But yeah, the the reason his gun is in parts is probably because of the kid. And I'm going to assume that this couple is very left-leaning. As they are a gay couple with an adopted daughter. And, like, (laughs) I'm going to assume that they are left, which means they are very pro-gun safety. So he's probably doing all of the things, every precaution that could be. All the steps to keep it as safe as he can. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's not loaded and ready to go. Like, yeah. Yeah. So at this point in the movie, this is where the book and the movie... Or on that road, just like in Fast and the Furious. It's like, it's been a long time. And they take different exits onto the freeway of life. So, in the book, Adrian does not die. She does not get sacrificed. Because she's the one outside chasing down Andrew. And so, uh, we'll do the movie version first. And then I'll go back and do the book version. So... Inside the car, Andrew loads the gun. He loads a couple of bullets, shoots at Sabrina, and Sabrina scoots off into the woods. She's like, blah, don't shoot me. And <laughs> runs off. Leonard is being held at gunpoint. So they tell Leonard to back the fuck up, and he's like, okay, just don't shoot me. Sabrina breaks in, and she gets shot by Andrew. So now Leonard is the last one. Leonard chops up Sabrina, and Andrew, firing Redman's wallet, and boy fucking howdy, it was the guy that did the hate crime. So this is the movie version. It was the hate crime guy. And Andrew says, see, I'm telling you, this shit is not real. The hate crime guy came back for revenge. Don't believe any of this shit. And it's like, oh, well, damn. So... We'll pause real quick and we'll reverse back to the car in the book version. So, Andrew is struggling in the car trying to get the gun ready. And he actually shoots Adrian. Kills her. But during a struggle with the gun with Leonard, when the child is accidentally shot and killed. At this point, Leonard is very devastated and sad. He told Wynn multiple times that I will keep you safe. Because he assumed that the dads would not sacrifice their daughter. He's like, you will get out of this. One of your dads will make the sacrifice. This is not going according to plan. Leonard tells the dads that this death will not count. Because it, you know it was an innocent person that died, but no one chose it. You still have to make the choice. And Leonard is very, very beside himself at this point. So, let's move back to the movie version. So, Leonard is freaking out because time is running out. On the TV, it shows that hundreds, I think it said 700 planes, are just falling out of the sky. There is no reason. They're just poofing out and crashing into the ground. So, the revelation saying that the sky will fall, that's a metaphorical sky will fall, I guess. (laughs) So, Leonard tells the family that time is almost up. You have to make the decision or the world will end. And then, he slits his throat 
because he has nothing else to do. It's like, I, I told you what I had to say. I'm dead. And he kills himself. So, lightning just causes fires and more planes are crashing out of the sky. One cla- crashes kind of close to the, the cabin. I was like, God damn, that's really fucking close, man. And so, Eric now believes that all of this shit is real. And he, like I said, he was the one kind of on the fence this whole movie. And he's like, the strangers that came in, they were the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Their shirts were specific colors, just like the four horsemen. So, Eric doesn't want his daughter to grow up in a fucked up scary world. And he has like this flash forward to like an older Wynn and Andrew with pepper in his hair. They're living and they're happy. And he's like, if that's what I have to do, if I have to make the sacrifice so you guys are alive, so be it. Because our love is so pure. And Andrew's like, why did we get chosen for this? Why, Why us? And he's like, because our love is so pure. And we're so, so dang cute. And then Andrew shoots and kills Eric. And they hop into the hate crime guy's truck, Redmond. And they drive to a diner. And everybody's just watching the TV. No one's eating. And they see that a lot of the issues are just quietly stopping now. The tsunamis are starting to calm down. The pandemic, no one has died in the last hour in all of the hospitals. They're about to hit two hours. That's good. (laughs) And then the planes aren't crashing anymore. One of the first planes actually landed. So whatever the fuck happened, it ain't happening no more. And then Andrew and Wynn drive off into this new world, saved by Daddy Eric. Oh, and then they listen to the song Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band. And that was the song, the last song that they listened to together as a family. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> so in the book, the same situation starts to happen. Uh, There's still doubts in Eric's head, and and Andrew is 100% on the side of this shit ain't real. Makes sense. So, Sabrina and Leonard are the last two strangers left. At this point, Sabrina is starting to have doubts, even though she and Leonard and all the rest of the people did have visions about this situation. She has doubts. And with the death of Wynn, Sabrina is like, if God doesn't accept that pure little girl as a sacrifice screw all of this this sacrifice this shit doesn't mean doesn't mean anything and leonard's like hey man we still gotta do this but when leonard looks away sabrina kills leonard and offers eric and andrew help to get to redmond's car because at this point eric's still got a super concussion andrew's got his kneecap blasted from the side and so they limp over to the car before they leave they look at the tv seven planes have fallen out of the sky now like i said in the book the the deaths of the strangers slow the apocalypse down so it could have been 700 just like the movie but only seven planes fell out of the sky and they don't know if it was some terroristic act and that's what the tv says they're like it has to be terrorist seven planes went down so they head to the car and then sabrina shoots herself in the head she's like i i'm sorry i'm sorry this happened to you i'm sorry your daughter is dead i hope that the world will be a better place and she is gone and so as eric and andrew look at each other and they're starting to decide like well should we do this and then eric and andrew they accept the fact that any god that forces a family the situation to happen to them and their daughter to die fuck them i'd rather be in a fucked up world i'd rather have the world end than live in a world without my daughter and then they drive off in redmond's car with Wynn's body they have not put the body down since she died and they head off into the world to hopefully survive so the book does not outwardly confirm or deny if the apocalypse is real so that's the big thing in the book it's very much there are points on both sides of it's very real or it's very fake they do not 
confirm and deny in the book. And it's very much a Christopher Nolan ending. Is the apocalypse real? Were they crazy but telling the truth? Or were they just really fucking crazy and attacking this family? The end. So, Katie, who is your favorite character in Knock at the Cabin? That would be Daddy Andrew. He just had his head on a swivel and his shit together the whole time. He didn't let what was happening from the strangers, like the lies they were spinning, affect his outlook on how fucking crazy they were. He didn't let these previously recorded TV things like affect his decision-making skills. All he wanted to do was save his family and get the fuck out of here, away from these strangers, um, you know, and fuck the rest of the world. Like, who cares as long as I get the love of my life and my daughter? Like, and commendable, dude. Good job, Daddy Andrew. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I really liked what he was going for. His common sense. Yeah. It's funny, for a while, he seems very much heelish with all of this. And they're like, hey, the apocalypse is happening. Help us. I'm like, fuck you, that's not real. And then there are clues that it it probably isn't real. Especially when the hate crime guy, round two, he popped back up. So they're like, no, this shit ain't real. That's the dude that attacked me. He came back for revenge. Now, Redmond in the movie didn't recognize them and maybe he was just keeping that close to his chest but it seems like he did not remember andrew after the attack so i don't know he did time afterward maybe just didn't remember the face or he just didn't give a shit i don't know so katie who was your least favorite character knock at the cabin could be adrian the (laughs) one of the strangers because she served little to no plot in this film all of the other strangers had, like, a definitive thing. Ron Weasley's character was the uh, guy who hurt Andrew back in the way back. And for him to be here just pushed the fact that this is probably fake and a conspiracy. And these people are just crazy. Uh, Leonard was the big hulking muscle guy of the stranger group. And was meant to be this big teddy bear that would befriend the little girl and he did that he executed that perfectly um the other girl sabrina her job was to be like she was a nurse in real life and she spent a majority of the time that she was in the cabin when she wasn't just trying to convince these people to fucking kill themselves she spent it actually taking care of them every time somebody got hurt like on accident they would like trip and fall or you know, they had to immobilize them so they couldn't leave the cabin. She was still fulfilling her, like, nurse duties and taking care of them. She was taking care of the concussion and all these other things. The only one, like, Adrian was a cook. She was, like, a line cook at a diner. And then when it was time to eat, she would cook. And it was like, your role is so pointless. Yeah. And you didn't actually push any plot forward. You weren't related to this these two people. You had no... I don't know. There was nothing bonding her to the rest of the plot. And her character just felt throwaway. And when it was time for her to, like, convince them, her, like, big convincing line was like, oh, I have a, I have a son. And blah, blah, blah. And it was nothing. It was like, by that time, they had all made themselves sound so crazy, there was no way that they would even believe that she had a son. Yeah. So it was like, okay, like, what? why are you even here? And it's funny you bring that up because Redmond in the book and the movie, they both say, D- "You, I can't believe that we're trying to be nice and friendly to these people. They instantly think that we're crazy because what we're saying is crazy. There's no fixing this. And I was like, yeah. And somebody was like, you have to save the world is by killing your wife or your cat. And I'm like, what the fuck? Get out of my face, you know? I get it. So I'm going with you, Adrian. In the book she has way more lines they all have way more lines they talk and they go over things and uh, like i said they switch things around because um, they weren't killing win in the movie so things had to get pushed up and obviously you want as much batista as, as you, possible as possible in a movie so he was third to die in the movie he was the last one like you got to push him all the way to the end so he can just keep on acting and be awesome. So, unfortunately, in his movie version, Adrian got more time taken away 
And like Katie said, she was just there to make food. And that's it. And that's sad because in the book, they had a lot more time and they did a lot more stuff. So, okay. Now, it's time for seven word synopsis. And I got two of them. So first one is, good choice not to kill the kid. So that was the big, I don't know, great change, great change from the book. And other things had to get moved up or pushed back because of that death. Now, I get it. I was telling Katie after we watched the movie, and I told her, like, yeah, Wynn does not make it to the end of the book. She's like, wow. Yeah. Um, this, I would have been fine seeing it, but I get why they didn't have a live-action death. And in this movie, it's rated R, but they didn't show that much gore. There was a little bit of blood, but they didn't show anything really gory. No. It was very much the, you know what sound that is. Someone just got chopped up. They absolutely could have gotten away with... They could have done it, because it, it wasn't that graphic. This could have been PG-13. Yeah. Was it PG-13? No, it was Radar, because they said fuck like six times. Oh, though. that's fair. So, yeah. But they could have avoided, like, they easily could have adjusted it and taken out the fucks, and then it yeah. would have just been PG-13, because there was no, not really any gore. There no. was a little bit of, like, when... Um, the dad, like, falls and messes up his head. Yeah. There's, like, they show a little bit of his, like, bloody, the blood on the back of his head. And when uh, other dad, like, falls and, like, hits his leg, they show the, like, big bruise and, like, yeah. jacked upness but nothing, of his leg. Nothing but crazy nothing... enough for rated R. It was just the cursing, really. It's just the fact that you know that people are getting murdered right yeah. there. Like, that's chaos. Yeah, it was a lot of sounds and stuff. But, uh, like I said, I get why the kid didn't die. Um, Stephen King said he loved the novel. I don't know how he felt about the movie, but if this was Papa King, that kid would have fucking died in the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, things had to change. Um, I will tell you, when I was reading the book, Second Wind Died, I cared a whole lot less about what happened to Andrew and Eric. Because Wynn did nothing wrong. Now you can say that Andrew didn't want to listen and try to have any empathy about the situation. And Eric, you know, he didn't try to get Andrew to even think about it. They had their issues. But Wynn was just there trying to get out with her dads. And she died? Fuck this, man. So I could get people in the movie like, what the fuck? They killed the kid? Um, that's what happens with a lot of endings to movies. They'll have a test test group watch it, and they're like fuck this movie katie died at the end i don't, I don't care about this movie anymore and they're like well we gotta do reshoots i mean <laughs> there's, gotta a, live. there's a lot of books that end that way that yeah. i'm just like the fuck yeah um that it, it's just like i mean it's meant to shock you and it does shock you yeah. but it but it shocks you in a way that makes you upset about what happened to like definitely the divergent books are like that. Yeah. The, definitely the Hunger Games books. Yeah. The the end of the third book, like, just... It's fucking chaos. And you're just like, are you serious? That's what happened? That's... You're just gonna do that at the end? Like, how dare you? Yeah. I... Like I said, when I was reading it, I cared a whole lot less about the dads when the, the daughter was dead. Yeah. And my second one is, I wanted more of Mean Ron Weasley. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. He shouldn't have died yeah. at the beginning. They could have switched he the shouldn't orders have been up. The first. They really could have. It should have been him. Or she. he should have lasted the first or the longest. Adrian should have been the first. Yeah. And then they still could have had the, I know you. And he's like, nope, I don't know you, bud. He's like, no, that's the guy. That's the guy that hit me. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? And they could have had an argument about that. You know, it would have been an easier conf confirmation unless, you know. Ron Weasley starts denying it. He's like, I don't know you. And then later, it's like, he did know, you know? It actually, that would have made it a little bit better. But uh, I guess they just wanted Redmond dead really fast. In the book, yeah, he goes down quick. And I was like, fuck, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I stopped caring about him because he was gone. Katie. Okay. Insane visions, home invasion, life or death. <laughs> Sorry, I caught you while you were taking a drink. <laughs> and then, um, Family Vacation plays real trial by trolley. Yeah, you're right. And my last one, Two Guys, a Girl, and the Apocalypse. <laughs> I love it. I, I love crushed it. it on these ones. You said trial by trolley. I love that game. 
It's so good. <laughs> yeah, this track has win, but this track has a racist guy that hit me in the head. <laughs> yeah. A homophobe that hit me in the head with a bottle. Well, and the rest of the world. Yeah, and the, but the world's on that track. <laughs> yeah, like, the world's on that track, but my daughter. Yeah, but, okay, the world's on that side. It's my daughter and my husband, and then the rest of the world. The, yeah. Those are the two tracks you're choosing between. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, this film came out February 3rd, 2023. Boy, howdy, it is not that old. So what do you think the budget was for Knock at the Cabin? I wasn't sure. Because Batista is a really big name. Yeah. So I think he probably got paid a majority of this salary. But otherwise, there's a lot of CGI in them creating the apocalypses. And then it's just like seven people in a cabin. So that part is not that much. Batista got paid a whole bunch. The CGI artists who did all the apocalypses got paid a whole bunch. And then the rest of it went... To renting a cabin in the woods. Uh, so I said $25 reduce. Nice. The budget was $20 reduce. Very close. You got it real good. So what do you think the box office was? I know that this movie did not do extraordinarily well because it came out and then no one talked about it. Yeah. And when no one talks about it, you know it didn't do very well. Like, Barbie, it's been like two months, and people are still just like, holy shit, did you see Barbie? That movie was fucking great. You know that movie made a billy. Uh, so, because nobody talked about Cabin in the Woods, I'm going to guess $50 reduce that it at least doubled its shit. $54 reduce. Nice. You're on the ball. So, it makes sense why this movie probably didn't make as much money. They had to move... The release up two weeks to avoid competition from Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, however you feel about that movie, you never want to jump in with a Marvel movie right next to you. It is just asking to lose money. Yep. Absolutely. Even if it's the shittiest Marvel movie, you just don't do it. Because, mm-hmm. oh, scary movie or a Marvel movie? I'm going to the Marvel movie. It's just the bravest movies will do it, but... You never drop on the same day. That's just idiocy. So around that movie, we got 80 for Brady. And then it's the, the four older ladies trying to go check out Tom Brady before he I want to see ret- that movie. retired for the first time. But I refuse to see it in the theaters because I don't want to give Tom Brady any money. Yeah. So I'm going to see it for free at home. Yeah. I want to see that movie because Jane Fonda looks great. And Rita Moreno. Looks I love all four of them. Yeah, all like, four of the main cast right. members are great. But Jane Fonda. But they're excellent actresses. I don't look, care how they look. You're look great. <laughs> I'm not into that, but yeah. <laughs> and then Avatar: The Way of Water. So it had some movies that had to kind of dance around, but it did just fine. A scary movie, a psychological scary movie from you know Shalamanan, trying to build back up, did just fine. You know this movie's not gonna make a billion. You know. So, Minority Kill Count. I got two. I actually wrote three down, but then I realized this is not the book, so I had to take off win. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have Sabrina. In the book, I don't think they talked about their race, but it seemed like Sabrina was white in the book, but in the movie, she is black. And then, Batista. He is Greek and Filipino in real life. So, I don't know about Leonard, but eh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> He's dark enough. So yeah. that is two. So the new number is 380 and a Tito Turtle and a house and a plane full of vampires. So, Katie, do you have anything else to say about Knock at the Cabin before we get out of here? No. See it once, I guess. This Honestly, this is a hit or miss movie. Like, you might like it, you might not. It's And it's not going to be the end of the world if you don't see it. I don't, eh. I don't think it's going to be one of those movies that people are talking about years and years no. down the line. Like, Shalamanan has a few of those movies. Like, you know, we keep talking about The Sixth Sense or yeah. Signs or Shit, whatever. Like, he has several movies that, you know, it, they have just become part of our pop culture, like, lexicon. We're constantly talking about them forever. This is not one of those movies. No. It was good, but it's not, like, watch it once and then, you know, never look at it again. Yeah. It's fine. It's a solid movie in the pantheon of his movies. 
Yeah. But it's very much one. But that's a low bar. Yeah. Uh, it's not The Happening. I'll tell you that. It did way better than that movie. God, The Happening is a fucking shit show. Yeah. Don't waste your time and money on watching yeah, that movie. It's a poop-ass movie. So, like I said, it's better than that, but it's not six cents level. And for me, it's not Unbreakable. Unbreakable so goddamn good. Fuck that. So, with that, that is the end of this episode. So, if you have any other cool fun facts about, I don't know, the apocalypse or putting hammers and chains strapped together, uh, you can tweet Katie at... AllentownPod. We have an email at it. AllentownPresents at gmail.com. Where on Facebook at? AllentownPresents. <laughs> so, this was episode five in the pocket in the books out of sight. So, we got 26 more scary movies. The list is coming together. Um, I'm trying my best not to just crack out all new ones up front, and then at the end, they'll just be like, I like this movie from 1982. Uh, But I'm trying my best to space them out and stuff. We are trying. But I will say, there's another Shalaminan film coming up very soon, and a movie with actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf coming up. I'm very excited. So, I'm gonna play a clip of that song when we get yeah. to that episode. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yes. Stalking in the woods, it's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Watching that killer, cause he's under house arrest. Yeah, it's Disturbia. But. Disturbia. There's a lot, gonna be a lot of sound clips, like thrown in. <laughs> or just a lot of us singing in that yeah. episode. I'm excited. So the music you're probably not listening to anymore, that is Flippin' Combined Effort. Flippin' the CE anywhere you can find them. Astudia feeds us. Thank you so much for the artwork. Uh, yeah, you, you hear us. We're, we're giggling about this. This is fun. It's my favorite part of doing this podcast, doing 31 scary movies. Boy, it, I, I get excited before, and then when it happens, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm sleepy. <laughs> I'm tired of watching scary movies. And then we start dancing. <laughs> I don't know. What, what? Is that pop? Yes. The NSYNC song? Yeah. I could sing you the whole part that's no, just I the dancing part. I bet you fucking part. could. <laughs> I, that's one of my favorite lines. Like, I'm tired of singing. <laughs> so, um, for Katie, for sleepy old Bella laying on the desk, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will be back tomorrow with another scary movie. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Uh, I do not want anything of what you're selling.